0: Homily 11 of Homilies on Philippians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 11, Philippians 3, 7 through 10. Albeit what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yea, verily, for I counted all things to be loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own, even that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God. In our contests with heretics, we must make the attack with minds and vigor, that they may be able to give exact attention. I will therefore begin my present discourse where the last ended. And what was that? Having enumerated every Jewish boast Both those from his birth and those that were from choice, he added, Howbeit what things were gained to me, these I have counted to be loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may gain Christ. Here the heretics spring to their attack, for even this comes of the wisdom of the Spirit, to suggest to them hopes of victory, that they may undertake the fight, Or if it had been spoken plainly, they would have acted here as they have done in other places. They would have blotted out the words. They would have denied the scripture. When they were unable at all to look it in the face. But as in the case of fishes, that which can take them is concealed so that they may swim up and does not lie open to view. This in truth has come to pass here too. The law, they say, is called dung by Paul. It is called loss. He says, It was not possible to gain Christ, except I suffered this loss. All these things induced the heretics to accept this passage, thinking it to be favorable to them. But when they had taken it, then did he enclose them on all sides with his nets. For what do they themselves say? Lo, the law is loss, is dung. How then do ye say it is of God? But these very words are favorable to the law, and how they are so shall be hence manifest. Let us attend accurately to his very words. He said not the law is loss, but I counted it loss. But when he spake of gain, he said not I counted them, but they were gain. But when he spake of loss, he said, I counted, and this rightly, for the former was naturally so, but the latter became so, for my opinion. What then? Is it not so? says he. It is loss for Christ. And how has the law become gain? And it was not counted gain, but was so. For consider how great a thing it was to bring men brutalized in their nature to the shape of men. If the law had not been, grace would not have been given. Wherefore, because it became a sort of bridge, for when it was impossible to mount on high from a state of greater abasement, a ladder was formed. But he who has ascended has no longer need of the ladder, Yet he does not despise it, but is even grateful to it. For it has placed him in such a position as no longer to require it. And yet for this very reason, that he doth not require it, it is just that he should acknowledge his obligation. For he could not fly up. And thus it is with the law. It hath led us up on high. Wherefore it was gain. But for the future we esteem it loss. How? Not because it is loss, but because grace is far better. For as a poor man that was in hunger, as long as he has silver, escapes hunger. But when he finds gold, and it is not allowable to keep both, considers it loss to retain the former. And having thrown it away, it takes the gold coin. So also here, not because the silver is loss, for it is not, but because it is impossible to take both at once. But it is necessary to leave one. Not the law, then, is loss, but for a man to cleave to the law and desert Christ. Wherefore it is then loss when it leads us away from Christ, but if it sends us on to him, it is no longer so. For this cause he saith, loss for Christ. If for Christ it is not so naturally, but why doth not the law suffer us to come to Christ? For this very cause, he tells us, was it given? And Christ is the fulfilling of the law, and Christ is the end of the law. It doth suffer us if we will, for Christ is the end of the law. He who obeyeth the law leaves the law itself. It suffers if we take heed to it, but if we do not take heed, it suffers not. Yea, verily, I have counted all things but loss. Why he means do I say this of the law? Is not the world good? Is not the present life good? But if they draw me away from Christ, I count these things loss. Why, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for when the sun hath appeared, it is lost to sit by a candle, so that the loss comes by comparison, by the superiority of the other. You see that Paul makes a comparison from superiority, not from diversity of kind, for that which is superior is superior to somewhat of like nature to itself, so that he shows the connection of that knowledge by the same means, by which he draws the superiority from the comparison. For whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them dung, that I may gain Christ. It does not yet manifest whether he speaks of the law, for it is likely that he applies it to the things of this world. For when he says, The things which were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Christ. Yea, verily he adds, I count all things loss. Although he said all things, yet it is things present, And if you wish it to be the law too, not even so is it insulted. For dung comes from wheat, and the strength of the wheat is the dung, I mean the chaff. But as the dung was useful in its former state, so that we gathered it together with the wheat, and had there been no dung, there would have been no wheat. Thus too it is with the law. Seest thou how everywhere he calls it loss, not in itself, but for Christ, Yea, verily, and I count all things but loss. Wherefore, again, for the excellency of the knowledge of him, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, again, wherefore, too, I count all things to be loss, that I may gain Christ. See how from every point he lays hold of Christ as his foundation, and suffers not the law to be anywhere exposed, or receive a blow, but guards it on every side, and that I may be found in him, Not having the righteousness of mine own, even that which is of the law. If he who had righteousness ran to this other righteousness because his own was nothing, how much rather ought they who have it not to run to him? And he well said, A righteousness of mine own, not that which I gained by labor and toil, but that which I found from grace. If then he who was so excellent is saved by grace, much more are you. For since it was likely, they would say that the righteousness which comes from toil is the greater. He shows that it is dung in comparison with the other. For otherwise I, who was so excellent in it, would not have cast it away and run to the other. But what is that other? That which is from the faith of God, i.e., it too was given by God. This is the righteousness of God. This is altogether a gift. And the gifts of God far exceed those worthless good deeds, which are due to our own diligence. But what is by faith that I may know him? So then knowledge is through faith, and without faith it is impossible to know him. Why, how? Through it we must know the power of his resurrection. For what reason can demonstrate to us the resurrection? None but faith only. For if the resurrection of Christ who was according to the flesh, is known by faith, how can the generation of the word of God be comprehended by reasoning? For the resurrection is less than the generation. Why? Because of that there have been many examples, but of this none ever. For many dead arose before Christ, though after their resurrection they died, but no one was ever born of a virgin. If then we must comprehend by faith that which is inferior to the generation according to the flesh, how can that which is far greater immeasurably and incomprehensibly greater be comprehended by reason? These things make the righteousness. This must we believe that he was able to do, but how he was able we cannot prove, for from faith is the fellowship of his suffering. But how? Had we not believed, neither should we have suffered. Had we not believed that if we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. 2 Timothy 2.12 We should not have endured the suffering. Both the generation and the resurrection is comprehended by faith. Seest thou that faith must not be absolutely, but through good works? For he especially believes that Christ hath risen, who in like sort gives himself up to dangers, who hath fellowship with him in his sufferings. For he hath fellowship with him who rose again, with him who liveth, wherefore he saith, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own, even that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming conformed unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead, He saith, being made conformable unto his death, i.e. having fellowship. Whereas he suffered from men, thus I too, wherefore he said, becoming conformed. And again in another place, and fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Colossians 1.24 That is, these persecutions and sufferings work the image of his death. For he sought not his own, but the good of many. Therefore, persecutions and afflictions and straits ought not to disturb you, but ought even to make you glad, because through them we are conformed to his death, as if he had said, we are molded to his likeness. As he says in another place, where he writeth, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.10 And this, too, comes from great faith. For we not only believe that he arose, but that after his resurrection also he hath great power. Wherefore, we travel the same road which he traveled, i.e., we become brethren to him in this respect also, as if he had said, we become Christ's in this respect. Oh, how great is the dignity of sufferings. We believe that we become conformed to his death through sufferings. For as in baptism we were buried with the likeness of his death, so here with his death. There did he rightly say, the likeness of his death, Romans 6, 4, 5. For there we died not entirely, we died not only in the flesh, to the body, but to sin. Since then a death is spoken of, and a death, but he indeed died in the body, whilst we died to sin. And there the man died which he assumed, who was in our flesh, but here the man of sin. For this cause he saith, the likeness of his death but here no longer the likeness of his death, but his death itself. For Paul in his persecutions no longer died to sin, but in his very body. Wherefore he endured the same death. If by any means, saith he, I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead. What sayest thou? All men will have a share in that. For we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. And shall all share not only in the resurrection, but in incorruption, some indeed to honor, but others as a means of punishment. If, therefore, all have a share in the resurrection, and not in the resurrection only, but also in incorruption, how, said he, if by any means I may attain, as if about to share in some especial thing? For this cause, saith he, I endure these things. If by any means I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead. For if thou hadst not died, thou wouldst not arise. What is it then? Some great thing seems here to be hinted at. So great was it that he dared not openly assert it, but saith, If by any means I have believed in him and his resurrection, Nay, moreover, I suffer for him. Yet I am unable to be confident concerning the resurrection. What resurrection doth he here mention? That which... Leads to Christ himself. I said that I believed in him and in the power of his resurrection and that I have fellowship with his sufferings and that I become conformed to his death. Yet after all these things, I am by no means confident, as he said elsewhere. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And again, I fear lest by any means After that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. 1 Corinthians 9.27 Verse 12 Not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect, but I press on. If it so be that I may apprehend that for which also I was apprehended by Christ Jesus. Not that I have already obtained. What means already obtained? He speaks of the prize. But if he who had endured such sufferings, he who was persecuted... He who had in him the dying of the Lord Jesus was not yet confident about that resurrection, what can we say? What meaneth, if I may apprehend? What he before said, if I may attain to the resurrection of the dead? 2 Corinthians 4.10 If I may apprehend, he saith, his resurrection, i.e., if I may be able to endure so great things, if I may be able to imitate him, if I may be able to become conformed to Him, for example, Christ suffered many things; He was spit upon, He was stricken, was scourged. At last, He suffered what things He suffered. This is the entire course. Through all these things, it is needful that man should endure the whole contest, and so come to His resurrection. Or He means this: If I am thought worthy to attain the glorious resurrection, which is a matter of confidence, in order to His resurrection. For if I am able to endure all the contests, I shall be able also to have his resurrection, and to rise with glory. For not as yet, saith he, am I worthy, but I press on, if so be that I may apprehend. My life is still one of contest. I am still far from the end. I am still distant from the prize. Still I run, still I pursue. And he said not, I run, but I pursue. For you know... With what eagerness a man pursues. He sees no one. He thrusts aside with great violence all who would interrupt his pursuit. He collects together his mind and sight and strength and soul and body, looking to nothing else than the prize. But a Paul who so pursued, who had suffered so many things, yet saith, If I may attain, what should we say who have relaxed our efforts? Then to show that the thing is of debt, he saith, For which also I was apprehended by Christ Jesus. I was, he saith, of the number of the lost. I grasped for breath. I was nigh dead. God apprehended me. For he pursued us when we fled from him with all speed. So that he points out all those things. For the words, I was apprehended, show the earnestness of him who wishes to apprehend us. And our great aversion to him. Our wandering, our flight from him so that we are liable for a vast debt, and no one grieves, no one weeps, no one groans, all having returned to their former state. For as before the appearance of Christ we fled from God, so now also, for we can flee from God, not in place for he is everywhere, and hear the prophet when he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Psalm 139, 7. How then can we flee from God, even as we can become distant from God, even as we can be removed afar off. They that are far from thee, it says, shall perish. Psalm seventy-three twenty-seven. And again, have not your iniquities separated between me and you. Isaiah 59, 2. How then comes this removal? How comes this separation? In purpose and soul, for it cannot be in place. For how could one fly from him who is everywhere present? The sinner then flies. This is what scripture saith. The wicked fleeth when no man pursueth him. Proverbs 28, one. We eagerly fly from God, although he always pursueth us. The apostle hasted that he might be near him. We haste that we might be far off. Are not these things then worthy of lamentation? Are they not worthy of tears? Whither fliest thou? Wretched and miserable man, whither fliest thou from thy life and thy salvation? If thou fly from God, with whom wilt thou take refuge? If thou fly from the light, whither wilt thou cast thine eyes? If thou fly from thy life, whence wilt thou henceforth live? Let us fly from the enemy of our salvation. Whensoever we sin, we fly from God. We are as runaways, we depart to a foreign land as he who consumed his paternal goods and departed into a foreign land, who wasted all his father's substance and lived in want. We too have substance from our father. And what is this? He hath freed us from our sins. He hath freely given us power, strength for works of virtue. He hath freely given to us readiness, patience. He hath freely given to us the Holy Ghost in our baptism. If we waste these things, we shall henceforth be in want. For as the sick, as long as they are troubled with fevers and badness of their juices, are unable to arise or work or do anything, but if anyone sets them free and brings them to health, if they then work not, this comes from their own sloth. Thus too it is with us, for the disease was heavy and the fever excessive, and we lay not upon a bed but upon wickedness itself, cast away in crime as on a dunghill, "'full of sores and evil odors, "'squalid, wasting away, "'more like ghosts than men. "'Evil spirits encompassed us about, "'the prince of this world deriding and assaulting us. "'The only begotten Son of God came, "'sent forth the rays of his presence, "'and straightway dispelled the darkness. "'The king who is on his father's throne "'came to us, having left his father's throne. "'And when I say having left, "'think not of any removal, "'for he filleth the heavens and the earth. "'But I speak of the economy.' He came to an enemy who hated him, who turned himself away, who could not endure to behold him, who blasphemed him every day. He saw him lying on a dunghill, eaten with worms, afflicted with fever and hunger, having every sort of disease. For both fever vexed him, which is an evil desire, and inflammation lay heavy on him. This is pride, and a gnawing hunger had hold of him, which is covetousness, and putrefying sores on every side, for this is fornication. In blindness of eyes, which is idolatry, and dumbness, and madness, which is to worship stocks and stones, and address them, and great deformity, for wickedness is this, foul to behold, and a most heavy disease. And he saw us speaking more foolishly than the mad, and calling stocks our God, and stones likewise. He saw us in such great guilt, and did not reject us, was not wroth, turned not away, Hated us not, for he was a master, and could not hate his own creation. But what does he do? As a most excellent physician, he prepareth medicines of great price, and himself tastes them first. For he himself first followed after virtue, and thus gave it to us. And he first gave us the washing, like some antidote. And thus we vomited up all our guilt, and all things took their flight at once. And our inflammation ceased, and our fever was quenched and our sores were dried up, for all the evils which are from covetousness and anger and all the rest were dissipated by the Spirit. Our eyes were opened, our ears were opened, our tongue spake holy words, our soul received strength, our body received such beauty and bloom, as it is like that he who is born a son of God should have from the grace of the Spirit such glory as it is like that the new-born son of a king should have, nurtured in purple, Alas, how great nobility did he confer on us. We were born, we were nourished. Why do we again fly from our benefactor? He then who hath done all these things giveth us strength too. For it was not possible for a soul bowed down by the disease to endure it. Did not he himself give us the strength? He gave us remission of our sins. We devoured all things. He gave us strength. We wasted it. He gave us grace. We quenched it. And how? We consumed it upon naught that was fitting. We used it for no useful end. These things have destroyed us. And what is more dreadful than all, when we are in a foreign country and feeding on husks, we say not, let us return to our Father, and say, we have sinned against heaven and against thee. Luke fifteen eighteen, And that again, when we have so loving a Father, who eagerly desires our return, if we will only return to him, he does not even bear to call in question our former deeds. Only let us quit them. It is sufficient apology with him that we have returned. Not only he himself calls not into question, but if another does so, he stops his mouth. Though the accuser be one of good repute, let us return. How long do we stand afar off? Let us perceive our dishonor. Let us be sensible of our vileness. Sin makes us swine. Sin brings famine to the soul. Let us regain ourselves and be sober again and return to our former high birth that we may obtain the good things which are to come in Christ Jesus our Lord with whom to the Father together with the Holy Spirit be glory, might, honor now and ever and world without end. End of homily 11.